0: your Greetings in the name of the Lord Jesus this morning. While I introduce my message, you can be turning to Ephesians, the second chapter. For those of you who were here when I preached uh, last time, uh, you may recall the uh, title of my message was God's Alternatives. Uh, I went through the uh, a word search and uh, found the places in the Bible where it says but God. Uh, there was uh, times when God uh, when man uh, had certain ideas and certain things uh, but then it says but God. And uh, there are several of them and I didn't uh, I didn't get to uh, research them all. But uh, I would like to uh, continue that message. Uh, what, what sparked that message was uh, the, these words in Ephesians 2, and I'll read the first ten verses of that chapter. And you, you notice some words in italics there in the King James. Uh, If you're using uh, some other translation, it will probably omit those. And you who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who was rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. And hath raised us up together, and made us set together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is, the, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained, that we should walk in them. The very beginning of this, this chapter talks about death, talks about being dead in sin, talks about being... Um, it talks about the uh, sway of the prince of the power of the air over mankind. It talks about the children of disobedience. And it uh, talks about the, uh, these things. And then in verse 4 where it says, but God. But God had an alternative. He had something different in mind. It wasn't uh, debauchery and uh, sin and and wickedness and Satan's rule that God had in mind here. But God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. It was an alternative. And if you recall, we looked at some of these. Uh, I'll just uh, review a couple of them. Uh, we're in the Garden of Eden uh, is where the first one was, the very beginning of time, where uh, um, where God had uh, created the... Uh, garden and uh, the trees and created man and uh, he said uh, that they were they could eat of all of the trees of the garden except so there was an alternative but god has said you shall not eat of it this was the words of of eve when satan was talking to uh, to uh, her trying to get her to eat of this she said but god said you shall not eat of it that was it was an alternative God had other things in mind but we know that men uh, decided uh, through Eve and Adam there to disobey God and so God down through time uh, presented to a sinful man uh, better alternatives Um, we had uh We had talked about, uh, I think it was about Abraham who uh, made a poor judgment there when he was talking to Abimelech and said that Sarah was his sister, not his wife. But then it says, but God appeared to Abimelech in a dream and told him uh, his alternative. Um, Another one. Uh, We looked at in the Old Testament, was uh, Israel's, or or Jacob, his name changed to Israel, Uh, when he was about to die, he said to to the children, uh, or to his uh, sons, he said, I die, but God will visit you. And so beyond death, God has something else, some alternative. Uh, it's, uh, this life is not the only life. This life, uh, this life is not the end. When we die physically, that's not the end. But God will visit you and will give life beyond the grave. <clears throat> I'd like to go then to the New Testament. I think that's about where we, we stopped. Uh, I think the last one I talked about was uh, in Psalm but uh, let's go to the New Testament, uh, Matthew nineteen twenty six. 26. Uh, and some of these I won't turn to, just refer to them. They're very short verses. Uh, this one where God says, uh, but with God all things are possible. But with God all things are possible. You know, we as people, as humans, sometimes we, we get bogged down in, in things that we think are are. Impossible things that we think are very hard and very hard to do, and we get uh, bogged down with this uh, physically and mentally and emotionally. And uh, but but uh, we can trust in the promises of God, where He says, "But with God, all things are possible." Uh, this is what uh, what He told uh, uh, Abraham when. Uh, when uh, Abraham said, "You, you in your old age, and your wife in old age, will have a son, and uh, it will be, it won't be something adopted, it won't be something stepchildren, it will be your own son. You and Sarah will have a son." Uh, and Abraham questioned God, and God said, "But is anything, is anything too hard for the Lord?" Uh, with God, all things are possible. He told this to Mary also in, uh, in Luke 1, we can read that, where Mary was uh, visited by the, uh, the angel, and uh, he told her that she would be uh, the, the uh, mother of the Savior. And uh, she said, how could this be? Uh, I don't, don't have any relations. I don't, uh, I don't know any man. How could this be? And and he said, uh, uh, "But with God, all things are possible." And he explained to her how the Holy Spirit would come upon her, and and uh, that holy seed that would be conceived in her would be of the Holy Spirit, of the of, of the Son of God. <clears throat> I'd like to uh, have us now turn to Acts, the 10th chapter, and I'm going to go from here uh, on through some of the these uh, verses from there on. In Acts 10, this is uh, the account of uh, Peter, uh, who uh, brought the, the gospel to the Gentiles. This is uh, the first uh, mention of this. Uh, we have the uh, we have it started out in verse ten. Uh, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius. He was a he was a Gentile. He was a a, a Roman soldier, and uh, he was uh, he was a devout man. It says he apparently he knew the God of Israel. He knew who God was, and he worshipped God. And uh, as he was doing this, uh, an angel appeared to him and said, "You go uh, to." Uh, to Joppa there's a man there named Peter he's he's staying with uh, Simon the Tanner and uh, you go there and you you uh, have him come and he'll tell you what I want you to hear and uh, so they went to uh, they did he sent a, a delegation they came to Joppa and they came to uh, Simon's house where Peter was staying and uh, as, he was, as they were approaching the house, Peter uh, grew hungry. And he went up on the housetop, and as he was uh, there, uh, God uh, gave him a vision. A great sheet was let down from heaven, and it was full of creeping things and all kinds of uh, uh, things that were, to the Jews, were not uh, fit to eat. They were not kosher. They were... Uh, they were just. Uh, it doesn't say who, what all was in there, but uh, the angel said to Peter, "Arise, kill and eat." Peter was hungry, and and Peter said, "Well, nothing ever uh, unclean has entered my mouth." And uh, Peter was a he was a devout Jew, and then God uh, uh, God t- but God said, "Now read this verse, verse 28." And he said unto them, "You know how that is unlawful. It is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come unto the place of another nation. But God has showed me uh, that I should not call any man common or unclean." Uh, here was this. Uh, uh, he was refer- uh, re- uh, reviewing to Cornelius what had happened there. Uh, God told him don't call anything that I have cleansed common or unclean and uh, as soon as Peter had this vision uh, the angel said there's some men waiting for you go with them and uh, so he went to Cornelius and began to preach and as he preached the Holy Spirit fell on the these uh, Gentile people and uh, that was God's alternative he was he was a god who was not only a god of the Jews, not only a god of those who had uh, kept themselves free from eating pork and whatever else. Uh, those who were like Peter said, "Nothing ever unclean has come into my uh, have, I have eaten." Uh, uh, there were there were others who didn't have these these uh, convictions or restrictions, and God loved them too. God wanted them to be a part of his church and so he extended the gospel to the Gentiles there uh, uh, and uh, he, he taught Peter there he said uh, but God has showed me there's, uh, that when he is cleansed uh, to not call common or unclean and that I should not call any man that so we have that alternative that God gave there a lesson for us, do we have prejudices? Do we have uh, preconceived ideas? Do we have those things that are, are uh, in our minds and in our lives need to be changed? Perhaps God has an alternative. Perhaps we have a prejudice. Uh, Brother Kenny talked about this man with the, the studness, you know, uh, and we'll come to that a little later too. Jesus loves him. Now, how, do we, uh, how do we approach a person like that? But God tells us to not call any man common or unclean. <clears throat> Are there changes that we need to be made? Is there t- alternatives that we need to think about uh, in that area? One caution we need to use here is that whatever change we think might be advisable in our lives, it has to fit with the Word of god we need to we need to search the Word of God because uh, there's much uh, uh, many things that are uh, we can be tripped up on here we we think well we should change we should do something else but does it fit with the Word of God is God telling us to change or is the world and Satan and his program uh, poking at us telling us we should change something and the way we can sort this out is be sure that it fits with the Word of God God can change our thinking on important issues so well, we need to realize that it's, it's with it, that the word of God needs to be kept. The next one in Romans 5. And this, this is the one where I was going to bring up what Kenny told us about this man with a stud in his uh, tongue. Um, that Jesus even loves him. Uh, Romans 5, uh, starting, I'll read to verse uh, 6. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet pre preadventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, much more than being now justified by his blood, we should be saved from wrath through him. For when we were sinners, we were reconciled to God by death, the death of his son. Much more, being reconciled, we should be saved by his life. But God commended his love toward us. Isn't that why we're yet sinners? It wasn't why we were reforming. It wasn't why we were good. It wasn't why we were... were uh, being our best, it wasn't when we were um, trying on our own strength to do things that are right, but but God commendeth His love toward us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. The alternative of God is His love toward us while we were yet sinners. <clears throat> okay, turn ahead, First Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 2, and I'll start reading about verse 7. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. When you read that word mystery, what comes to your mind? What comes to my mind? Is it something that's vague? You know, something that's off? Just off in the distance, we can't quite, can't quite get it. Uh, we look at all the clues, we look at all the things surrounding it, but we still can't quite realize what this is. Mystery, mystery is a, it's kind of a tantalizing word, I guess. Notice what he says here, verse eight: which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have t- uh, crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, either have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep, deep things of God. In the uh, plan of salvation, in in the Old Testament, it was uh, shrouded in um, types and shadows. There was the blood of bulls and of goats. Uh, there was the uh, the tabernacle and its um, the way it was laid out. Uh, there was uh, other things that that were uh, that uh, foreshadowed the plan of salvation. And these things were all in, in somewhat mysterious ways. They they were um, they were hard to uh, perhaps hard to understand how this could all be. And uh, there were so many uh, things to keep, so many animals to bring. Um, millions of gallons of blood was shed in the Old Testament, and these were all this all part of this mystery. It was all part of this mysterious plan of salvation that God had uh, had in mind. And uh, even in coming into the New Testament, the disciples of, of uh, the Lord and the people who uh, he talked to, it was just hard for them to catch it. It was hard for them to get it, to understand. And um, it just seemed like these things were all shrouded in, in mystery. And there was a reason. that tells us that in verse 8. Uh, this, this, uh, it seemed like all of these uh, uh, types and shadows and, and shrouds of mystery were for a purpose. And that was to protect the plan of salvation. It was, uh, they brought it brought right up to the time when Jesus was crucified. And, and uh, I'm not sure who the princes of this world were. It, it, uh, it probably was those, it was Satan for one, and those whom he he uh, was uh, working through to, to crucify Jesus. And they, they got right up to the time of the crucifixion. And uh, then he was, they thought it, they had him. They thought it was over. Here was the Son of God, the Messiah, He was dead, but uh, actually that death was a clearing up of the mystery. But God hath revealed him unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. So, But God was able to clear up this mystery. It was an alternative to the fogginess of the uh, plan of salvation and the, the shrouds and the mystery that surrounded it and the types and the shadows. But, but God cleared up this mystery. Through the death of Christ and His resurrection, and uh, His and through the the uh, writings of the apostles in the New Testament, He has cleared up that mystery. God opens the mystery. That's His alternative. First uh, Corinthians three, the very next chapter. Paul says, "I have planted." Apollo's watered, but God gave the increase. God gives the results uh, to our efforts. It's God who uh, who brings increase. It's God who brings the uh, a person to salvation. Um, we can do. We can explain to people the plan of salvation. We can. Uh, pray for them we can uh, plead with them uh, we can uh, do the work of, uh, of watering uh, we can plant the seed but God gives the increase well we can't take the credit for that uh, we can talk about our work uh, in the gospel uh, planting watering uh, encouraging, pleading, uh, giving the message, but God. It's his alternative to give the increase. He is the one that brings people to the saving knowledge of Christ. And so, let's not take the credit. So often you hear of, of uh, mega churches and huge uh, uh, campaigns and it seemed like it's just uh, nothing but a bragging point: how many people have um, decided, and how many people have come to the altar, and and uh, all of this. But uh, it's not it's not in our place to to uh, brag about that. But God gives the increase. <clears throat> First Corinthians ten. Um, the verse that I want especially is uh, 13, but I'll read a few verses before that. Um, well, he, he starts out by uh, giving the uh, illustration here of the children of Israel, how they were all, um, did eat the same spiritual meat, they all drank the same spiritual drink, they were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, uh, but some of them failed. And in verse 11 he says, Now all these things happen unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God, who is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that ye may be able to bear it. When we are tempted, there's a way of escape, and it's God's alternative. It says, but God is faithful. He will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. Uh, I think I've used this illustration here before. I... um, I've done some tree falling, and uh, in fact, before we moved here, that was my main, one of my main uh, occupations was uh, cutting trees down, and there's one thing you need to remember about uh, falling trees, and that's that you need to, before you start cutting, you need to look for the escape route you need to make sure that you can get away when that tree starts to fall. Um, I have an ugly toenail that uh, I won't show you but uh, it proves my point. I wasn't far enough away and when the tree fell it landed on my toe. And uh, so when uh, when you're falling trees you need to look for that escape route you need to look for a way to get away when we're tempted to sin uh, where's our focus is it worrying about the temptation is it worrying about whether we'll fall or not or are we looking for the for the escape route this is what uh, God is faithful it's his alternative that we escape the temptation it's his alternative that we say no it's his alternative that we get away and we're not taken in by that sin or that temptation that thing that might cause us to fall we need to focus on the escape route and it's there God promised it are we looking for it? Are we searching for it? Do we want God's alternative? First uh, Corinthians twelve is another one. I'll read uh, starting at verse twenty. But now are they many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more. These members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable upon these, we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncommonly parts have more abundant comeliness. For comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. That's interesting. But God hath tempered the body. Uh, We have all kinds of different personalities in the body of Christ, all kinds of different talents, all kinds of different uh, ways to serve, all kinds of different things we can do. And isn't it amazing that uh, people who are so diverse in, um, in emotions and in, uh, in behavior and in makeup uh, can be a part of one body and and be uh, be joined together in one body in Christ. It's, it's God's alternative but God hath tempered the body together. God works in the church to make things harmonize. Uh, he works in our midst to, uh, when there's differences, to make things so that we can talk about it and, and, uh, and get things done and get along. And uh, we've experienced that so many times here in our group. And uh, it's it amazes me yet, um, and I give God the credit that he has tempered together the body, this body, Prairie Mennonite Church. He has tempered together the body so that we can serve him and his community and do the things that God has for us to do. And I trust and I hope that this can always be uh, the way we operate, that we would use this alternative how God tempers us together, tempers the body, so that we can do His work. <clears throat> One more. First Corinthians fifteen, and the verse is uh, thirty-eight. I'll read. Uh, start about 35 but some men will say how are the dead raised up and with what body do they come thou fool that which thou sowest is not quicken except it die and that which thou sowest thou sowest not that body which shall be but bare grain it may be chance of wheat or of some other grain but god giveth it a body as it hath pleased him and to every seed his own body and it goes on talking about all flesh is not the same flesh, and so on. Uh, God's alternative is that uh, after decay, God gives life. Uh, it's a, it's a, natural, a natural thing. We all have seen this, how that uh, you put a seed in the ground, and uh, that seed will rot, decay, but it will sprout and grow and uh, make another seed, and that's that's God's alternative. It's also God's alternative to death. Um, we uh, uh, and that's that's the, the gist of this this chapter. He's using the natural seed as a illustration here to help us to, illust- to help us to understand. That when the body of our loved one goes into the grave and decays and rots away, that there's still, God is going to bring life from that. And he's promised it. But God giveth it a body. And I'm not sure what, uh, we could do a lot of speculating what it will our new body be like. Will I have a full head of hair? <laughs> I don't know. Probably doesn't matter. It's a body that will be recognized because we read illustrations of that in the Bible. But God gives it a body. We don't have to worry about whether we'll limp, whether my I won't have to worry about whether my shoulder will ache when I lift my arm too high. Uh, won't have to worry about uh, uh, warts and, and uh, scars and things like that. It's God's alternative. But God giveth it a body. And we have that promise. And it fits so well with our Sunday school lesson, living in the hope of Christ's return. So for our lives to be fruitful we need to pay attention to God's alternatives His choices the things that He would rather have us do. We must follow His alternatives. When we have decisions to make sometimes important decisions sometimes maybe not quite so important but when we have Uh, important decisions to make we need to look at his options that's his alternatives he sometimes has a different uh, different way for us to go than what we would like to or think we should but let's let's be be diligent to to check his options what does God want me to do what's his alternative?